Have you ever heard of a tour guide? You might have met one on a tour at a museum or public place you have been to. Today, tour guides tell us where we're going and provide helpful information when we're in an unknown place. Long ago, visitors to the Adirondacks didn't have tour guides as we know them today. They had people who simply called themselves guides. On today's episode, we're going to introduce you to the guides of the Adirondacks, and by the end of this podcast, you'll know what is a guide and what did they do? Who hired the guides? How did they select who they wanted as a guide? Why did people need guides in the first place? And more! Ready to earn some extra credit? This is Taylor and Diane. And you are listening to 80K Extra Credit, a history podcast for students made by the Adirondack Experience, the museum on Blue Mountain Lake, located in the heart of the Adirondack Park of New York State. It's 1875. You're from the port city of Boston, bustling with activity and excitement. But you yearn for a different kind of excitement, one that will take you away from the crowds and noise and into the quietness of nature. In the 1800s, many people from cities such as New York City and Boston were coming up to the Adirondacks to spend time in the wilderness. However, many of those people didn't exactly know what they were doing up here. And how could they? They grew up and lived in busy cities for most of their lives not around the forests, mountains, and lakes you'd find in the Adirondacks. However, they weren't going to let their lack of knowledge stop them from coming up north. Many of these city people hired an Adirondack guide, a person to help them experience the Adirondack wilderness. A guide would act very much like a tour guide does today by showing people around. Guides would teach people who hired them how to do a lot of things, how to hunt, fish, where to find the best hunting and fishing places, how to travel throughout the Adirondacks, and more. They knew how to build boats and shelters and cook whatever they hunted and caught. They also bought all the needed supplies for themselves and the people who hired them, making sure they had everything they would need for a stay lasting anywhere from a week to more than a month. We call the visitors to the Adirondacks who hired guides a sport which is short for sportsman, or a person who hunts, fishes, or spends lots of time out in nature as a hobby. Sports would often form a small party of friends and family to explore the Adirondacks with. The people would then hire one guide to help them for however many days they needed. Guides were expected to know a variety of different tasks in order to help their sports, and many guides would acquire the needed knowledge through living up in the Adirondacks for many years, even their entire life. They knew the land and how to get around and how to survive. And because they knew so much, sports needed to pay their guides. Back in the 1800s, it wasn't uncommon for guides to be paid anywhere from $2.50 to $3 a day, which is about $56 to $70 in 2020. Today, guides can be paid anywhere from $45 for a couple-hour hiking session to $400 for a day-long activity-filled session. However, today's guides also need to be certified with the state of New York. 
And there's a lot involved to become certified today. You can be a guide for a wide array of different outdoor activities, from hiking, camping, fishing, hunting, or navigating small boats such as a kayak or canoe. No matter what activities a guide decides to be certified in, they must have good navigation skills to help them guide people safely around the Adirondacks. Guides must take certification training courses and tests to achieve all the needed safety skills to safely be a guide, such as first aid and CPR. Back in the 1800s, there was no official certifications or classes for guides. You had to figure out through word of mouth if you were hiring a guide who knew what they were doing. You would talk to people who had hired or worked with an Adirondack guide themselves. Or you read guidebooks that would tell you all that you needed to know about visiting the Adirondacks, like what to look for in a guide before you hired one. One of the most famous guidebooks written about the Adirondacks is called Adventures in the Wilderness, written by William H. H. Murray. Murray and his book are what initially caused the huge surge of people from the cities to come to the Adirondacks and explore the wilderness in the late 1800s. Because of this, we often refer to Murray as Adirondack Murray. In his book, Adventures in the Wilderness, he covered every Adirondack topic you can imagine. Murray said, choosing a guide is the most important decision you can make when visiting the Adirondacks. This is what Murray wrote about guides. Every guide should be immediately responsible to the party hiring him. His chances of future employment should depend upon his present success. It is beneficial to both parties. The sportsman is well served, and the guide, if he is faithful, secures constant employment from season to season. By this, Murray means that guides have a big responsibility to look after the sports that hired them. If the guide did a good job, they would probably be hired again by other sports. Word could spread fast back in the 1800s. Although they didn't have cell phones or the internet, they could read guidebooks like Murray's or write to different Adirondack hotels to find out the names of the best guides. Although guides were busy navigating, hunting, and fishing, they also had to find time to entertain the members of their party. Nights at camp were meant for cooking dinner over a campfire and relaxing after a long day spent out in the wilderness. This was the perfect time for the guide to tell stories. Guides could tell any kind of story they wanted, from ghost stories to tall tales. Tall tales are fiction stories that start out with the truth and then the truth is stretched with lots of made-up elements to it. Guides would often tell stories about their adventures out in the wilderness, and a lot of them are about hunting or fishing. Here's an example of what an Adirondack tall tale could be like. In all my days as a guide on Blue Mountain Lake, one stands out like no other. It was a calm but hot July day. I was guiding a party of two sports out on clear Blue Mountain Lake in my guideboat. These sports, all from Boston, wanted to spend some of their time up in the Adirondacks, out on lakes, reeling in as many fish as could fill a boat they boasted. I, their knowledgeable guide, knew exactly 
where to find the most impressive fish. I also had the incredible luck to bring one of them out of the water. Out on Blue Mountain Lake, there is an island, Rock Island. So, to begin this great fish tale, we departed from the western shore of beautiful Blue Mountain Lake and set a course for none other than Rock Island. Both my sports sat quietly, lines out in the water, looking carefully to see what might be out there. I sat on the opposite side of the boat with my line in the water, knowing quite well a big one would make its way in my direction sometime. Then suddenly, it happened. I mean, it happened. My line tugged in the water, and I assumed a standing position and started reeling in. This time, this time, my line tugged again, and even with more intensity than before, and I knew right then and there, right then, that this was no ordinary fish. I find, I found that as hard as I tried, I couldn't reel that fish in at all. And to my surprise, my lines and the spool started spinning off so fast that the reel, it, it started smoking. And that's about the same time that the sports that I had been guiding heard a loud, heard, heard a loud sploosh. And before I knew it, the fish had pulled me right out of the boat over the side and into the deep waters of Blue Mountain Lake. But I still managed to hold onto my pole with one hand and the hat on my head with the other. Now that I was in the water, I had a clear line of sight on the fish who had pulled me in. Well, that fish, it was it was the biggest I had ever seen. For a full two hours, that fish pulled me all over and under Blue Mountain Lake. Several times, I came near enough to the sports guideboat. I could hear them yelling, Hold on! Hold on! That mammoth fish was settled on making me let go of my fishing pole. But... I was just as determined not to lose my pole or hat and to show those two sports just what kind of guide they had hired. Then, as luck would have it, I saw as I was skimming across the top of the water at a tremendous speed that we were headed for, you guessed it, Rock Island. Now, Rock Island is not a big island, not so big that a fish that size couldn't just plumb leap right over it. And sure enough, that's exactly what it did. Well, that fish cleared it with no trouble whatsoever. But as for me, I bumped and rolled and somersaulted across the little island, but I never let go of my fishing pole. But with all that jostling about, I lost hold of my hat. And then sploosh again, I was pulled back into the water, tumbling across its surface. That, that, that's when the two sports put the oars to the water and made for my rescue. They closed the distance enough for, 
for one of the sports to reach out and catch hold of my collar and the back of my shirt and haul me back into the boat. And about the same time I was hauled into the boat, well, well, something else happened. Well, that colossal fish played out. It was so tired that it stopped and just floated, rolled on top of the water, just plain exhausted. Well, we all knew it was the biggest fish any of us had ever seen. Big as a full-grown man, one of the sports said. Amazing, said the other sport. Cautiously, we brought the guideboat up to this huge, tremendous, gigantic, enormous. No words seemed to describe the fish we saw. All these words scrambled together. We were shouting all at once, slapping each other, laughing and making a great commotion. A gigantic, a ginormous, a gigantic, gymnormous, humongous, humongous, big, gigantic. It was all mixed up. Then finally, after a great amount of struggling, we managed to haul that Goliath fish halfway out and halfway into the boat. For a long, long moment, nobody spoke a word. We all just gazed wide-eyed at the fish. Then one of the sports broke the silence. He looked at me and he said, You lost your hat? We made our way back to camp with a mass of fish and an incredible fish tale to tell. Pretty crazy tall tale, right? Back in the 1800s, guides would have had to get really creative in order to keep their sports entertained with campfire stories. So while it's great to know how to hunt and fish, as a guide, you also needed to be able to bring some fun into camp whenever possible. So, do you have what it takes to be a good guide? Do you know how to catch the best fish and how to tell a good campfire story? If not, you still have time to study up and learn, and maybe one day you'll be one of the best guides in the Adirondacks. Thank you for joining us for an episode of ADK Extra Credit. This podcast is brought to you by Adirondack Experience, the museum on Blue Mountain Lake. Our mission is to expand understanding of Adirondack history and the relationship between people and the Adirondack wilderness, fostering informed choices for the future. Listen in again two weeks from now when we'll have a brand new episode. In the meantime, if you want to learn more fun Adirondack history, visit our website, theadkx.org, T-H-E-A-D-K-X dot O-R-G.